This week on Startup Security Weekly, we welcome special guest Doug White, and we're going to talk about security in startups and funding for security startups and whether or not security companies are getting funding, among a lot of other topics that I'm sure will come up, as well as losing limbs, which is one that comes up on shows that Doug is on for some reason. Yay. So for all that and more, stay tuned. This is a Security Weekly production. Welcome everyone to Startup Security Weekly. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian, broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island. Here with me in studio for this very special edition of Startup Security Weekly is Doug White. Doug, welcome to Startup Security Weekly. You're just you're all over the network. <laughs> I tell you, they, <laughs> you're can, they can't keep me under control here. It's just like well, once I was... You, you're one me. of the few that's actually now been on... The three different we get each on Hack Naked TV to kind of to kind of round yeah, it out and then, like, I, I why not we just do we do it all that's it that's it and Michael Santarcangelo of course is on the lines via Skype broadcasting from the beach Michael how are you good man I'm on a beach the <laughs> day I tell you it's not good is the day a hurricane actually hits us that's Otherwise, it that's it I'm, I'm good <laughs> um, so we've got uh, stuff. To talk about, um, not as much pointed stuff or articles as we, we usually have, but I think it's good to have kind of a free-form discussion um, about security in startups. Um, there's, of course, I, I think startups really are uh, pertinent to security right now because there's a lot of startups in security. Yeah. There's a lot of people with opinions about startups, about funding, um, about the technology, about adopting that technology. And we always have a great discussion here on, on Startup Security Weekly. I think this will be one of the first episodes that we'll put in the Security Weekly feed um, and, and test the waters uh, on that. And uh, I think moving into 2017, we'll have a solidified strategy that people will like based on feedback I've gotten, but which shows are in there. And you're, you're going to love the content on this show because it goes from talking about the security, like raw security, to talking about techniques that you can use in your own startup ideas. And what's interesting, I think that there's, I firmly believe there's a lot of innovation that happens in security today. And not just when we're talking about companies, right? We've talked about this on the show in the past, Michael. A lot of us in security, we've got these great ideas. You know, we come up with this new open source project, this new technique, and I believe over the past 11 years that I've been you know, doing the shows and, and paying attention closely to the security community is that we've got to be able to market our ideas. We've got to be able to uh, position them. We've got to be able to make sure people pay attention to them. And it's almost like you have a startup when you're releasing that open source project, when you're promoting yourself to go speak at a conference. I think these are all ideas that we can use uh, in security. We talk a lot about communication, which is important. So... I like yeah, the I like the you know about. what I like our mojo on this show, Michael. And I was actually telling uh, someone about like how the show's been going. I'm like, I don't know, Michael and I, we just get together and we talk. We and I'm like, you know what? We're not going to mess with that. We're going to get together and we're just going to talk. So yeah, and, and I, I, look, I'll, I'll be uh, a complimentary. Doug joining us on this is a blast. I, mm. the, the conversations that we have when Doug is with us are, are exciting and they get me excited. You know, if, if I can add my stamp to it, the way I've started looking at it is that we're going to explore the business of security while advancing the security of business. 
So if you're a startup and you're a security-focused startup, then of course we want to chat mm. with you and about you and amplify your successes. But if you're a startup going, do I need to worry about security? Then we want to talk to you too. And right. we're trying to figure it out. And so we're, what, we, what we try to do with every show is look at some of the trends and the way that things are going. And then we do talk about communication and we talk about leadership because those things matter. But as we've been doing it, what I'm also finding is what sometimes we define as the buyer, right? The business level buyer, typically the CISO or somebody in that technology part of the organization, they are loving startup mentalities. I've got a leadership summit coming up next year that, that at a conference, Paul, you and I both go to and participate. And one of the things we're going to add to it is like a startup mentality track. It, mm-hmm. There's a mindset to it. In this show, we get to cover all this. We get to talk yep. about business and communication and leadership and security, but we can look at it from a bunch of different angles, and and it gets exciting. And I think we're I think we're you know we're finding a stride that's kind of fun. So it, what I, and the feedback that I've gotten too definitely um, I think underscores the point that with all of our shows, right, we're the ones doing security, and in the startup show, it kind of just so happened that when we launched the show, I have my own security startup. Yeah. Michael's launching a, a new a new venture, um, and so he's treating that yeah. much like a. I mean, that is really a startup for you. I'm a, I'm in startup mode, and I am learning yeah. so much. It I, is a learning I, it is a learning I, process. And Doug and I, I mean, we've got some announcements coming up. There's yeah. going to be a startup kind of mentality. Yeah. It's going to have to apply to our our new project because we're kind of treating that as another as yeah. another startup. So I've um, consulted with everything from you know tiny little startup things mm-hmm. to multinationals. So you know, it's, it's I've done a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's 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 a really exciting area to be in I think uh, I mean it's also a very scary area to be in you know startup <laughs> startup is just like you know it's like I don't know uh, it's like uh, self-surgery yeah <laughs> Sorry, here we go <laughs> here we go it's both thrilling it, and, and terrifying at the same time but a startup if you're not scared doing your startup you're doing it wrong like oh you, absolutely you, you, you gotta have there's just that air of excitement some people just like to go from startup to startup and, and I can see that because there's yeah. a lot of adrenaline rush but that's not just like an adrenaline rush like riding a roller coaster it's yeah. like the adrenaline rush of like doing something really dangerous yeah. with no you know exactly. like jumping off of a cliff into exactly. the water kind of thing um so it, you know it, it's very interesting I, I think one of the things i want to start with is the ceo of palo alto mike mclaughlin uh made some statements recently on bloomberg that said um that it was incredibly difficult for new security companies to get funding for startups to get funding and there's a continuing trend of companies going public because money is so tight. Now, I follow security companies and security startups very, very closely. I use uh, actually a tool called Owler, which we've mentioned on the show before. <laughs> so we gave our secret away. We gave our secret away. We did. We gave it away on Enterprise. I had people ask me on Twitter, what was that tool that you mentioned? So the cat's out of the bag. That's, uh, and in props to the people at Owler, they're doing a fantastic job um, doing this kind of a social uh, company tracking yeah. tool. And... Um, from what I've seen, I, I've seen a lot of companies get funding. I've personally spoken with people who run uh, venture uh, funding companies that are focused on security, stating that in uh, you know up to this point in the year they've invested in thirty companies. So certainly there's money to be found. Yeah. What I find interesting is that when people ask me, hey, Paul, when are you going to take funding? And my response is, well, I, I want to get some sales first. And they just laugh. They're like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I mean, they're not, you know, tell me I'm doing it wrong, but they're like, oh, you're doing it wrong. You should do it more like Silicon Valley. Like, you know, just fund your idea and worry about sales. Yeah. Well, I don't know, five years after <laughs> you've taken multiple rounds of funding. And uh, so it's interesting, the different strategies. But I, I obviously, I, we all, I think, are on the same page. We disagree 
um, with with Michael that uh, McLaughlin in that there is funding out there uh, for security companies. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, there, there's certainly I've seen people get funding. I've had people come talk to me about, you know, here's what I'm trying to do. What do you think? And you know, there's angel investors out there that want to put money behind these things. Mm-hmm. I think the secret to it, the, the initial secret to it, is just having something tangible. And, it, and it's difficult in security because it's supposed to be visionary. Yeah. So I'm supposed to be thinking about the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And when you go try to present that to uh, a person. It's a huge challenge because you go in and talk about some very, you know, minutia kind of thing that's this little niche. You have to convince them that it's a valid niche and that there's a customer for that niche out there. And that's sometimes pretty challenging when you start talking mm-hmm. about weird technology stuff, especially when it's visionary weird technology stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so I, I think that's sometimes limiting. But maybe this guy is just, you know, unhappy because he got turned down for something. So, yeah. Like, well, be. no, I mean, he's the CEO of a company that's doing well and they, they did an 85 million round um, yeah, in the last know. year or so. No, no, but. But so I think for somebody like him, you, he's watching FireEye's stock drop precipitously. Mm-hmm. And so that means he's got a lot of pressure. Or I said they did a round. My bad. He went IPO. So they're, they're going to look at him and go, well, how, how are you performing? And I think that so, – so he said a couple of things that are, that are interesting to kind of unpack separately, right? So one is it's hard for a startup to get funded. I, I, all of us don't agree. And I'd actually like to go back to it because Doug said a couple of things there that I thought – were really interesting that I think are opportunities that even this show can try to help address. The second part to it then is, is um, he talked about how um, people aren't going the, the route of the IPO. Well, one of the, the articles that, that I've got queued up that we'll have to get to in the next week or two is that's a trend, but that's not indicative of a lack of funding or a problem in the space. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually, it's the new trend is that everybody's not looking at it from that perspective. And I think one of the things that we're seeing happen a lot in security right now is, is the, the, what I'd call the consumption model of it, right? The mergers and acquisitions or the, um, the acquisition just part of it. And there's a lot of that happening. I mean, how many of the security companies right now are getting spun out and sold to other companies and getting sold to holding companies and getting leveraged out and getting combined in? And I, I think that we're at a, a space where Although collectively, the three of us have been doing this a really long time. From an industry perspective and from an investing perspective, this is new. This, this is all still new, and people are trying to well, shake their way out of it. I, a couple of things. I think that uh, technology has always had a strong culture around startups, right? I mean, that started with the dot-com boom. Yeah, and yeah, I think, absolutely. yeah, it's gone through fits and starts. But for the most part, technology is advancing. And there are companies that are doing some awesome technology. And there's a lot of startups in technology. I think security is going to grow alongside of it. I don't think it's trailing. It might be trailing behind it, depending on the, the sector you're talking about. But I think it's we're always going to see as technology advances, security is going to have to advance too. And to me, that means new companies and startups and, and maybe acquisitions and mergers and things like that. But there's always going to be a lot of things happening as long as technology advances. I don't see that slowing down. I, I agree with that. I, I think there's one of the more limiting factors of, of security is that it's a service base mm-hmm. as opposed to technology, which solves, which just solves a problem. Mm-hmm. Security is about service. It's about providing support to, and it, it does solve a problem, but mm-hmm. it's, not as e- it's not as easy of a sell as saying, I built a better mousetrap. I will catch more yeah. mice. You're saying, I've got this way to support the mousetrap industry that needs to be put in place. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a harder sell, and it tends to trail a little bit because a lot of investors and companies don't get involved in this as quickly until they start seeing these things happen and they realize there's a problem. So unlike where I can take something out and say this is very tangible, mm-hmm. security is 
always this kind of foggy thing that's in the background. So it's a little bit of a harder sell, I think, to, uh, to an investor. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you think about that from an investor's perspective, and I think Doug, Doug you've encapsulated it well, um, when you go look at investment today, they're looking to, to know that you're going to give them a 10-time return uh, on their investment in the next five years. That's the gold standard that they're looking for. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about, like, when I, it's this concept I, I call idea to execution. And you got to have five P's. You got to have your product or, or your prototype or your solution. You got to have a pitch. You got to have a plan that's going to get me to that five time, you know, five to 10 times revenue. Uh, you've then got to have proof that, especially in security, that it, that it works or something other than, you know, it's an idea that you drew on a napkin and you're really excited about it. And then you have to have some way of protecting it. So is what, is what you're doing, is there an intellectual property protection to it or are you otherwise, you're doing security. I mean, if you think about this, this is kind of fascinating. If you were in the professional space of security a decade ago and you wanted to go get errors and omissions insurance, huh. good luck. And, and, and or somebody would write it for you. It was really expensive. I had a buddy come to me recently and say, hey, do you have E&O? We got talking about it. And I was like, dude, that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Now his quote was like nine hundred bucks. Oh yeah, I was wow. like, oh. yeah, that's way down because I I yeah. was one of the it's early ones with <laughs> emissions insurance doing pen testing. Oh, but and, so what's happened yeah. is that industry has learned, right? Yep. They've figured out the pieces, and so now they understand. But when you say to investors, security, they're going to go, wait a minute. So are you a hacker? Are are you guys <laughs> things? And uh, uh, when you say cyber, like they like it, they know it's sexy. They know it's not going to go away. They know it's going to continue to build. But what does that mean? And so I think that puts a burden. If you're a security startup, you've got to not just hit those five Ps. You've then got to translate that into an experience that an investor understands and can feel comfortable with. Um, I don't know where to go from there. Sorry. I had a mental lapse. I had. Well, I can always fill in. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. <laughs> I'm just sitting here enjoying my cigar, listening to you guys talk. I, mean, that's, well, yeah. I can talk forever about almost anything with absolutely no content. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was perfect ta- for podcasting. I was <laughs> perfect. I know. That's they keep telling me. I, I was talking to some people recently about how actuarials and insurance are getting heavily involved in this in this industry, and that's going to drive a lot of startup stuff too. Because yes. one one thing about that that's driving down the cost of insurance. Because initially, when when a lot of us went to look at E and O way back when, you know, the first time I asked about E and O, they were like, "You're doing what?" Yeah, that's you know, exactly. Yeah, what it was for- yeah. I, I mean, that was what he said. He said, and- "You're doing what?" And I said, "Well, we're we're we don't wait for that." Yeah, I said we're doing like security break-ins. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 huh? No, 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 absolutely not. No, no, there's none of that here. None of that here." And I was like, "Wait, I I didn't just admit. Wait, and you know, and you know, you wonder if the guy's already hitting the panic button under the desk (laughs) today." Yeah, exactly. But today, you know, that price of that, you know, has just come down and you're starting to see big player insurance getting involved in this field, which means they're going to further and it's going to help startups a lot because as that stuff stabilizes the terminology and I don't mean the specifics of your startup, but the terminology of the industry starts to stabilize and people start having a lingo for it in finance and other things. And you'll start hearing people on Wall Street talk about, well, this is what that is and this is where that fits and they start categorizing. And that means as a startup, you've got a much easier road to financing because when you talk to an investor, they kind of, as long as you keep your terminology straight, they're expecting those five Ps and now you've got to set a lingo you have to give them in those five Ps and then they'll be able to understand exactly what you're talking about. 
You know what I love? Um, one of the things we do here in the, in the, the state of South Carolina, we've got a, a new consortium stood up, and one of the people who's on our advisory board uh, is active in the insurance market. And he is so excited about being part of cyber and is admitted that he's still learning. But I'll tell you, uh, you know the number one claim uh, in the last year uh, for insurance relative to cyber? I don't. I probably should, but I don't know what it is. No idea. Lost laptop. Yeah. I oh. should have known that. Well, I could see that. Yeah, well, me too, right? But but here's here's the thing I took from it. He had another one that was also marginally interesting, and I frankly don't remember. Oh, it was uh, insider th- uh, threat, uh, insider theft, like somebody leaving the yeah. company and stealing information. That was their number two claim. So here's the thing that, that I find fascinating about that, though. So we, we have uh, a lot of industry reports that come out, and some we like, some we, we deride, and some we just kind of say, okay, they're interesting. But what's cool about the insurance company is that these are actual claims. These are things that they're writing. Yeah. And so what I love about it is they're going to go into the organizations, and they're going to write the policy. Well, once they get burned, yep. and they're good at not getting burned, they're going to get smarter about the questions that they ask. So if you're a startup today, insecurity or otherwise – if you can pay attention to what the insurance industry is doing, mm-hmm. you are going to learn about it because, look, they're going to tell you where they're paying out the claims. If you can help them reduce the payout from claims, uh, they're going to like you. And if what you're doing is helping their customers solve problems that reduces the payout of claims, then you run the opportunity where somebody says, you know what, uh, if you're using XYZ technology, we'll give you a discount on your premium. Yep. You and, can do and, that. And, Hold and, on. And that's a big that's a big avenue, and, and it always has been because actuarials know everything. I mean, they can predict the future very accurately, and they will do so with security. They will very quickly start to learn where are the big threat vectors. And so, yeah, I think riding herd on on that kind of mentality is going to really give you a lot of startup opportunities because you can a, see where you can push that right in there. That's an interesting strategy for a security company, and we we'd be uh, out of our out of sorts if we didn't talk about Shark Tank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least once during the show, Shark, Shark Tank and in, in, uh, in, um, in Silicon Valley, uh, the staples yeah. uh, for conversation starters on our show. But I was watching Shark Tank and they had uh, this app, and you know how apps get scrutinized by investors because there's like especially 50 billion Cuban. apps, yeah, mm-hmm. especially Mark Cuban. And but Mark was interested in this one because he said, "Well, we make this app, and it's for people to um, improve their own personal health and fitness, and it gives them a fitness program." And they were like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. But then they like pull out of their back pocket. They're like, by the way, we've partnered with insurance companies mm. that can reduce a premium for companies that adopt this app. And then all At of a sudden point, the Mr. checkbooks Mr. come out and they're like, that is a totally sold. solid sold, right? They got funding. So I, I think for security, that is a very interesting strategy for security companies to say, if we can kind of work with that angle as an aspect mm-hmm. of what we provide, that is extremely powerful. Coming soon to a venue near you. I mean, mm-hmm. because all those big players are starting to get involved in that. I've had conversations about it, and that means that when the actuarials start predicting, they're going to they're gonna do just what you said. They're going to say, if you have seatbelts in your car, you get a discount. Well, right. guess what? You want to be the guy selling seatbelts right about then because mm-hmm. you're going to sell exactly a lot right. of seatbelts. And, uh, and whoever's selling what they're going to want, because they're going to identify, because that's actuarials that got the crystal ball, and they're going to identify, here's the five most critical things that exist in the world. And once they've done that, that's going to be the biggest markets for new security products for a while, because people are going to say, I have to have this, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I have to have this, because I get this much money off. And, 
everybody's going to be shopping for one. And so if you got the product, you're going to well, be there. It's kind of similar to how PCI sh- changed Absolutely. the security industry as mm-hmm. well, right? I mean, exactly. That, that caused all kinds of new companies yep. to, and because it was a, a basically a requirement or part of some right. regulations, a very similar kind of thing. And yeah, regulation's the other thing to monitor because things mm-hmm. like Surbanes or HIPAA or whatever start driving that stuff as well. And a lot of those things are very nebulous, so they're, not, they're still not clarified as to what exactly they, you must do. I mean, there's a lot of you know, uh, verbiage about that. But as regulation like that starts coming down from on high, mm-hmm. you're going to see stuff from the federal government saying, cities and towns and states must do this. They have to do this to protect mm-hmm. uh, taxpayer data. Or, or, you know, now we see uh, election machines, the uh, voting machines. How do you protect that? Well, there's going to be requirements from, you know, the Federal Elections Commission saying, you must do this. So if you're the person that's ready to sell that product, you're going to sell a lot of product because they're mm-hmm. going to come in and say, you got to have it in every city, state, and town in the United States is going to be calling you going, can I get one of those? Because we got to have it. It says so right here. Mm-hmm. And selling, yeah, and I, selling is hard for yeah. startup. <laughs> That's well, I was going to say that's the thing. I mean, because even if somebody else says you need it, I'm coming in and I'm telling you that you're going to have to take money that you have. In fact, this is one of the things that we talked about, Paul. It was really interesting for me when I went from concept to launch. Look, when you're in your concept phase and you're talking to people, it's easy for somebody to say, man, I love that. I love the sound of that. That looks great, man. Good job. I'll happily pay you when it's ready. But then when you flip the switch and say, okay, it's ready, and they go, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, if you look at the clock, well, bad time. I got. Um, <laughs> it sounds great, though. I'm on board. Check in with me in a month. I, it sounds really good, and they just kind of slip away. You've got to really then start looking at how are you explaining it, how does it work, and so what's kind of interesting is, you know, it, Doug's right in in the things to look at, and I think then that where we have an opportunity as an industry too is is to police the charlatans that are no doubt going to jump in. And that's where we get to have some of those those conversations and those questions about, right, so you help me solve XYZ problem. Cool. How do you do it? And if you're the company who does it well from a technology perspective, great. Then make sure you've invested almost as much time in explaining it so people understand it. You do I, that, you're going to be good. I, I want to just Some of the things that, that I've heard in this discussion made me think about that creating a, or solving a new problem is really hard, and we do a lot of that in security. I think this is very relevant mm-hmm. to security companies and startups and even consumers of security products is that a lot of times when you talk about being innovative as a startup, we're trying to create something new. We're trying mm-hmm. to create a new need. And we've seen that in the commercial space as well. Like, I don't know that I have this problem, but here's a solution for it. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. And what uh, we've tried to do in our own startup, and I think more people should do and not be afraid to what we're talking about with regulations and, and insurance, but is to latch on to something. Yeah. And as I'm researching the, the landscape and trying to position my own product in the market, you know, we've decided to latch on to certain technologies that are already being adopted by companies and be a complement to that, be able to extend that, and be able to integrate with that right out of the gate. And that makes it much easier for everyone, for the customer and for the startup, because creating new is hard. In our own case, you know, we've latched onto the Bro IDS. And Mm -hmm. now the play to investors that I'm hoping is that we can show the installations with that and show the other integration points that we might have and how easy it is for 
people who already have technology to adopt our technology and immediately start getting benefit. So that helps you with investors. It also helps you with customers because they're like, oh yeah, like I have bro, that's cool. You guys can just like do that for me. And then what we find out is that we might be replacing or extending what they've already built in-house. We had that discussion right. before. And I think that's a, a really good play, especially for a startup. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things I was thinking about what's, what's really hard and what I've, I've seen a lot of companies really struggle with is now let's say they get that, those inroads, right? And they want to say, well, now we want to expand out to the enterprise and, and reach different audiences. That's where I've seen companies struggle and I've seen them basically either get bought out or go by the wayside because they started with one audience and now they're trying to do something completely new and extend it. I've seen that be, be very, very well, difficult. There, well, there's a subtle issue there. Uh, large, large organizations always have done this where they, they come up with an idea and they convince you that you need it. So this is what a large company can do. Mm. They say, okay, we're going we're gonna to make this, uh, this stuff out of horses' hooves and we're going to put artificial flavor and color in it and well, let's call it Jello. <coughs> you don't need it, but we're going <laughs> to sell it to you. Well, there's because there's always room for Because you, you want it. You don't really need it. And that, that's a danger for startups is to try. And that's why they have trouble is they yeah. try to move into another segment because they don't have the resources that a giant company has to go out and hire a Madison Avenue marketing yeah. firm right. to, to create an to create ad campaign yeah, to say, you really need deodorant. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Probably you do. I don't know. You know, but, I mean, and so security is a tougher sell like that because if you're a startup, you don't have those resources. Resources. And mm -hmm. as you go into that new segment, now you're trying to convince somebody who doesn't know they need something that they do need it, whether they need it or not. And if you don't have massive resources to put behind it, so you have to be very, I think you have to be careful as you try to expand out of those segments because you know you need it here. Right. I'd really like to sell it over there. Eh, maybe we better wait a little bit till we get a few more resources here and then pour some into that marketing and try to sell that to those guys on the mm -hmm. other side of the table, which is why I'm not good at startups because I don't take big chances and just say, you know, honey, I hawked the whole house. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I'll tell you what, though. There's something that's interesting about that. So, so what's defined a lot of my startup of late is looking at how to help technologists better think about this type of stuff and then prove their leadership, get what I call straight talk and, and talking about stuff. So I launched the course. I am learning so much. I'm so excited about being able to do it. And recently I've been reading about the need to be able to relaunch courses. right? Because now that I'm learning about it, I've made adjustments. And I'm starting to understand that I probably should have charged a lot more for it. And that there's some different features I can add to it. Oh, and there's a better way to explain this and this. And basically somebody said, uh, you've got to ask yourself three questions. And I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'll, I'll, from memory it was kind of like, are there people who still need what you do uh, but that probably don't know yet that you exist? Are there uh, people who know that you exist and are likely customers that are not yet customers? And then I frankly at the moment don't remember the third question, but it was kind of like if the answer to any of those is yes, then stay on station. Do that until such time as you've exhausted that and it's time to go someplace else. And I think that's, that's essentially what you're talking about, Doug. And even when we go look at what they call the tech unicorns, and, and Paul knows I, I hate that as a phrase. But like, <laughs> I love unicorns. You look at Uber or you look at Airbnb, which are usually held out as the two big ones, that created a new market based on challenges that people had. It was kind of fascinating, but even they stayed on station yep. very tight and narrow until it was, okay, now I have people in more cities begging for this, and okay, we can make it work. Boom, let's go. And so I, I, I'm, I think that's an interesting thing in security because a lot of times when people call me on the other side of the fence and they want to pitch me whatever they're working on so I can write about it, 
and I just asked them, okay, well, what's the problem that you solve? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, there's APT out there and there's cloud. And so, like, I connect the APTs to the cloud to keep you safe. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, who knows? I, um, I don't want to disclose the company, but I got one the other day. <laughs> oh, no. And it was, it, was, it was so bad, I posted it up to, to some, some friends. And, and they all read it. They're like, is this indicative of the typical pitch that you get? I was like, yep. It was like, look, we've created a video game-like interface, and you can go back to, you know... No, they did not say video game-like game interface. No. Oh, I can't make this up. No. And, and they were telling us that, like, they've made it fun and blah, blah. No. I was like, look, I don't want fun at work. I, I want, I mean, I'm funny at work. I, I'm good. Yeah. I just want stuff that works. Right. So, right. was, so needless to say, I declined the pitch. Like, I was like, no, please don't. They now need to go like, listen oh, to our previous episodes on how to do a pitch. Not that I think we're, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm gonna start the doing world's well? foremost experts on it. When but I, When I get crappy pitches, I'm just going to send them links. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go watch the show. Go watch the show. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I've, uh, I've, heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of crappy pitches, and not for startups necessarily, but I, I've, I've often sat on boards and things for companies just to be their, like, translator. I used to do this weird job, and I, I, I translated engineering into congressional ease, and, and I've, I've, because the engineers couldn't talk to Congress, and they'd always lose their funding, and they'd go to these pitches, and they would go, I'm going to begin with some calculus now. Everybody does understand multivariate calculus, correct? You know, and it's like the House subcommittee on, you know, oil or something. And the guy's like, I don't know. My daddy used to own a gas station down in South Texas. And, you know, and they're like, yeah, you're going to lose your funding right now. <laughs> and, and, well, that's like when we do our, our pitch for our startup. Uh, you know, we've got this patented algorithm that uses Fourier transforms. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Never say that when no, you're doing I would, a pitch. I would strongly discourage and, you Unless there's it. a technical person in the room, like, do not say that. And make sure that if you do say that, that you explain the high level first. And then Me if you look at then. the tech guy, and <laughs> but, he, but sometimes you can look at the tech guy, like, and they still oh, have that. Yeah. Security people always have that skeptical <laughs> look on their face. And you say Fourier transforms, and they're like, oh, yeah, now you've just kind of won over the technical person. So yeah. I, I mean, there's rules, but, you know, rules are meant yeah. to be broken. So... Uh, I've found ourselves kind of yeah. making these rules, but then breaking them in certain circumstances. I wouldn't break that one very often because uh, <laughs> you start saying Fourier transforms, you pretty quickly find yourself, you know, outpaced by the guy who was giving out free hats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I find too that on those heels, if you find that uh, you utter the phrase, well, we seldom the smartest person in the room. All right, mm -hmm. um, it's time to retool. <laughs> yeah, that always goes over so well when you look at that one guy and all the others. You're going, yeah, I try to talk to the smartest person in the room. and The rest of you just sort of sit there and yeah. hum <laughs> jingles to yourself for thanks, a while. Thanks for being here. I know you yeah. guys are the ones that sign the checks, but uh, yeah. I'm just going to yeah, talk to the We've talked a lot about pitches on the show, which is kind of, uh, they're always interesting. It's critical. I mean, I, mean, I mean, a great pitch person can sell a terrible product yeah. and a lousy pitch person and can fail to sell a wonderful product. And mm -hmm. I've seen both those where I was sitting there going, I understand what this poor guy's talking about. And the, all these board members who will make the decision on this, regardless of what I say, are going, don't know what that boy's talking about, but something's seriously wrong with him. You know, and then I wouldn't let him on. You're going, no, no, he, he, this is really smart stuff. I mean, yeah. and, and there's a fine line, though. You can play that where they, where they actually become convinced that you're brilliant. 
Yes. I, I call this the weirdness effect. So it, it's like, you know, the weirder you are in, in like being a professor, people go, he must be damn smart. So people think I'm really smart all the time. And, and because, you know, they're like, that guy's so strange. And sometimes it sort of slips over into that. And the board people start going, I'm really scared of this guy. We, we better hire him. But <laughs> you, usually not. Or they're just trying to steal ideas. Like in well, Silicon. Yeah. I'm just reminded of that scene in Silicon Valley where they're doing their pitch and then they start <laughs> asking technical questions. Uh-huh. And then he starts like writing all yeah, the math right. and algorithms on the board. And the, the other guy, I can't remember his name, like starts wheeling the whiteboard out exactly. of the room. It's like, we're going to leave now. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> Thanks for your pitch. Uh, yeah. We'll and be then, in touch. Then they start launching a similar product. <laughs> or people are copywriting your work like on their computers while you're yeah, presenting it exactly. to them. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like us buying domain names, right? We <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah. I, know, I know he does that. I do it too. I was yeah. like sitting there going, I already licensed. I did that. I did it the other day. I was at a meeting and I licensed the domain they were talking about while they were presenting it. And the guy was like, let's see if that's available. I was like, it's available, but I already bought it. Yeah. He was like, what? And I was like, I just bought it. You know, and, and <laughs> I also bought it backwards. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> I always buy them backwards. Just in case they're going to be cool with it. Well, <laughs> you know, just so it's it. like Illuminati backwards. Because it's so cool to own that. You know, if you type Illuminati.com backwards, you, you, get, you go to the NSA because there's a guy in Utah that owns it. Dude, and he just that. puts a link yeah. into it. So it's funny. And it freaks people out all the time. So it's like, I want to be sure I own it if anything cool comes up. Well, one of the things I do want to see when okay, we, we talked awesome. talk <laughs> about, um, <laughs> about creating a new <laughs> market. Um, and, and, you know, creating uh, a, a problem. Basically, you're creating a problem and then creating the solution, right? Yep. More so, you're making people aware of a problem. And I think what really helps are those first, like, big examples. Yep. Those first big deals that you do. And those are some of the hardest to get. But once you have a couple of those, then you're kind of on your way yep. uh, to doing that. And um, one great example that I, that I thought of is actually the sponsor of one of our other shows, Pony Express. You know, they, they make uh, devices that monitor Bluetooth and mm-hmm. wireless. Uh, and people, I think, are still struggling with how much of a problem that really is. They monitor IoT devices. That's slowly becoming more and more of a problem that people are starting to care about, but not so much in enterprises. However, um, a couple of episodes ago on Enterprise Security Weekly, Paul Padgett said, well, you know, we, we sold our technology to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, Really? That's interesting. He's like, yeah, like the tablets that you know, mm-hmm. they use on the sidelines. Right. We knew all the MAC addresses, and we were looking for any anomalies that were happening. And then he said, you know, the, the ticket scanners that were scanning everyone's ticket going into the Super Bowl, like they're wireless too, so we were monitoring all of those and making sure there were uh, no anomalies. And I'm like, oh, if like as a startup or anyone yeah. that has a startup out there could have a compelling story like that yeah. of your product in action – it invokes so much confidence in your product, right. um, but those are you know those are hard to get. I have props to well, Express especially to keep in mind, right? Like you know, saying hey, uh, so my uncle like has this corner store and stuff, and like I helped him with his computer. I guess it's just an example, but to your point, you get to say. <laughs> so have you so have you heard of the NFL? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so we do all the the X Y Z for them. The people are like oh, right. yeah, exactly. because what what you're trying to do in those stories and those examples is you're you're connoting. Not just the value of that brand, but people assume the NFL doesn't just do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if they're going to work with you, they vetted you, they right. figured it out. Oh, so they went through that and it's working and you can cite them as a customer or a client or a case study? Oh, okay then. Well, a lot less risk for me. Because right. that's really what we're talking about. But this is the thing that's interesting is we, we, we always think that the, the companies that are looking at startups are worried about the risk of the startup. 
It's not. It's personal risk. It, it's that person who's signing on that dotted line, right? You won't get fired for buying IBM. You won't get fired for buying mm-hmm. Cisco. It's not because Cisco or IBM are so well-known. It's that because if something goes wrong, frankly, you can blame them, mm-hmm. and, and they'll take that blame and or fix it or whatever. It all mm-hmm. kind of works out. So it, it's that person is sitting there. It's the, the operative part wasn't the company name. It's the you won't get fired by. So when somebody's looking at your technology, just keep in mind when you're pitching it, you're not just pitching, this will help your company. You have to help them assess the personal risk. And I sometimes just hit it head on and say, so what are you worried about? Are you worried about looking like an idiot? Are you worried about blowing the money? And, and sometimes you find a person say, yeah, dude, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I've, I've had exactly those conversations with, with potential customers. And we've talked about this on the show in the past mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, security people especially, we've gotten burned. You know, mm-hmm. by Check. vendors, and I mean whatever. I mean, it happens. I'm not trying to pick on anyone, but you know, they we have had these experiences where we've tried to adopt this technology. And it, I mean, this extends to IT, right? You try and adopt this technology, right. and either it's just not the right fit, or the product doesn't work as you expected, or whatever the case may be, and that project falls down. The person who adopted that technology and was the champion for that vendor looks really bad. Yep. And when you're, I, Michael brings up an excellent point, when you're giving your pitch, you have to win that person over in terms of confidence in your own product. Well, I, I used to do a lot of work for people that were doing uh, juries. And one thing about juries that they'll teach you is, is trust is what it's all about. If you're an expert and you're, t- you're talking to a jury, the jury rarely knows the details of what you're talking about because you're talking about blood or DNA or bullets or computer you know, technology. But the jury or statistics, the jury has to trust you. And if they do, and it's the same thing in a pitch, you're trying to convince them. And it's, it's really a con, which, you know, confidence mm-hmm. is where a con comes from. It, it's really the pitch is convincing them to have confidence in you, even though they don't truly understand what you're going to do. Say, just trust me, this will work out. And that's what the pitch ends up being all about, whether you're doing expert testimony or, or you're trying to sell a, a startup to a bunch of investors, because they're not going to really get to the bottom level of it. Mm-hmm. They're just going to get to the sort of edge. And they have to look at it and see it as this nice, happy, glowing thing instead of this, oh, I don't know. So some of it's well, just about how you sell it. The, the struggle for me in, in security, and I think for a lot of companies, and I've worked with a lot of companies, not just startups that have this problem, is so to overcome this, right, one of the things you can do is offer a free trial, Yeah. right? Or let, let them try it for free. Now, the, the problem with a lot of security solutions are that this trial might solve the problem for you. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> That's great. Like, why do why do I need to buy it now? Like, you just found a bunch of compromised systems in my in my environment. That's great. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Now we well, know, right. you know what and, to look for. Well, so so let's flip this around for a second too, and let, let's look at it a little bit from a culture perspective. So, because right, we talk about the business of security as well. So, if you're that person who's there, maybe you've got an idea, and at some point you're going to do a startup, and of course we'd love to support you in that process. But but right now you're in an enterprise or you're in that organization looking at this. We need to do a better job as an industry of supporting startups, of actively seeking it. And, Paul, on this program so far, we've highlighted companies that invite startups in and that mm-hmm. have innovation support and do that type of stuff. And we're seeing more of it, and that's great. So now take that same mindset and adopt it, and we've got to let people off the hook and say, look, I have a tolerance. In fact, that's one of the questions I've started asking people and it's great because some of them don't know, but they'll go find out. And I'll say, what is your tolerance? What is the risk? What's the small bet you're willing to place on a new technology so that you don't get burned? 
And, and I'm finding it varies, but I'll be blunt. It's usually between twenty-five dollars and $50,000. And so what that means then as a startup is if you can offer them value at that price point, then that they can then build on, they'll do that. And, and so to unpack that from the other side, what that's saying to your organization is, okay, we can, we can spend some money. We can make an investment. And you know what? They're not all going to work out. When an investor says, I want a 10-time return in five years, they know 50% of that portfolio is absolutely going to fail. And what they're really counting on are two or three are going to hit that mark and one is going to take off. They're, they're hoping that out of any 10, one is going to just poof, go. Okay, well, why don't we adopt that same strategy in our companies when we're looking at startups and technologies? Now, maybe your threshold for risk is 10,000. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 100. But I'd love to start seeing more of that and seeing more conversation around that because that's when we can look at some of these startup technologies and say, okay, I get it. You're new. Um, look, I've had some people reach out to me recently and say, hey, I love the stuff that you're doing. Can you come work with me? And I'll tell you what. I'll be a testimonial for you. You can use me as a case study, and I'm going to help you get some additional clients. They didn't even have to ask for a discount at that point. I was like, yes, and how would you like to structure that up? Because that's a, as you point, that's a huge deal for me. But what it also is is it's real. It's real mm-hmm. insight into how it's all working out. So if if we're serious about supporting security startups and supporting startups that have better security, then we also have to figure out in our organizations how to get past that mentality of well, this would look like a failure for me. I, I would want it to be more like, wait, so everybody we went with is a proven technology vendor. We didn't try anything new this year. Okay, we we made a mistake here. Mm-hmm. How do we fix that? No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I agree with that, too. I, th- I think that's a good idea, and, and I, th- I think you do have to keep people stretching if you want the industry to develop. Because it's somewhat self-serving for me, though. Well, of course it is. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. My name is Paul. I think that's great. <laughs> Sales at offensiveconnermeasures.com. Yes. Let's call 1-800-PAUL. Yeah. <laughs> 1-800-PAUL startup. <laughs> but, but no, I, th- I think it's important to support this stuff. I mean, I, I, it's not self-serving for me, but it's, it's, it's really a, a good idea to keep these things growing. And that's where innovation comes from. I mean, you're just not going to get that much innovation from you know, very large organizations that mm-hmm. are stable and they're very very concerned about shareholders and mm-hmm. and shareholders getting nervous because we're going to invest all this money in this thing. Plus, I, I think the more size you have, the bigger the mistakes you can make. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, that's exactly it's true. right. Yeah. You know, I mean, Richard Branson talks about that. I don't mean to step on you, but one of the things I find fascinating is Branson says uh, we're a billion. You know, he's a billionaire. We're a multi-billion company, and he has these fantastic programs where if you've got an idea, you he'll fund it. And his attitude is if it fails. Fine. That's I can tolerate that failure, um, and then you can come back and work with us. And by the way, you're smarter and you know more about it. And but by the way, if it works, well, then it's great because you're still part of the family. Uh, wow, yeah. I think that's a great concept. It is a great concept. If more people are doing that, though, I mean, you are seeing you are seeing more, you know, very wealthy people starting to fund things like mm-hmm. that. And because a lot of them are technology people, and they came from that background, which was more of a community-oriented mm-hmm. kind of thing, and and I think that helps because and then a lot of people know each other too, so and that helps. And it's not just a bunch of strangers. So, uh, Michael, update us on your journey really quickly. Um, I, I I'm going to do more writing on this. I tell you, I, so I launched, and we've got the intro class going through the Straight Talk framework, and I am. Um, I'm humbled. I'm humbled by the whole experience and everything that's going on with it. And right now I'm actually trying to pack some um, 
um, services and stuff around it. And I'm, I'm learning, like, I'm actually going to rush and put something together in the next couple of days and just start talking to people about it and figure it out and kind of see where it goes. And I am planning a relaunch. Um, I've learned some things. In fact, what, I, what I'll leave is this. One of the things that held me back for so long is that online learning didn't work for me. I figured out why. Most online teaching and learning is all consumption-based, but the way that we learn is experience. And what I started figuring out was how to shorten the consumption side to it and program more experience side into it, and it's really starting to work. Now, I'm not saying I got it nailed. Uh, I'm just saying I got, I'm getting better with it. But one of the other things that happened to me this week was I started offering people one-to-one coaching sessions, and uh, that's now going to be something I'm going to put into all of them going forward. Like it's, It is working so well. So I know that that means I will offer less um, and I will have to figure out other ways to scale, but in the short run, wow. Like I, I have probably five to 10 pages of notes every week just from the experience of going through this. Mm-hmm. And I, I only wish I had done it sooner. So if you're in a startup mode that we've talked about this right when you think, okay, I'm almost ready. That means you're probably past ready. Go, just go and, um, and be upfront with people where you're at and then just, brace for it because it's it's fun it's a roller coaster but it's fun so that's where i'm at and i've narrowed the focus this is it i've got like a couple services around it and i'm gonna stay on this until we can get more people working through it comfortable with the questions i've got a lot of ideas now for how to revamp some of my marketing i'm gonna improve the course like i'm i am really excited that that probably doesn't show but so excited you can smell it yeah (laughs) that's because i didn't need deodorant no that's That's great Or yeah, we're, I mean, we're still chugging along uh, at offensive countermeasures, uh, obviously, and um, you know we're working on how we're going to sell and distribute the products, uh, which is great because it means we have a product uh, to sell. Uh, so it's exciting to be able to start working on that. <laughs> you know, uh, so there's a lot of time spent in development uh, and some more hands-on testing uh, that needs to happen uh, as version one uh, is ready to release. It's kind of like a contractor, you know, developers tell you. Another two weeks. It's like that movie. What was the movie with Tom Hanks where the contractors kept telling him, like, it's two, two more weeks, two more weeks, two more oh, weeks. It's, yeah. uh, Money Pit. Money Pit. Money Pit. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, we know our movies here at Startup That's Weekend. right. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, we've got uh, version one uh, getting ready to release this week and um, figuring out how we're going to sell it. And it's, uh, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. We I can't wait of, to see a demo, Paul. We've got a lot of people uh, interested. And, uh, yeah, I need to, to get back. There's a couple of people um, who we're going to do, Michael included. Um, Doug, I'll extend that to you as well, that we're going to you know, give our pitch to cool. uh, and get feedback. So that'd be great. I look forward to it. Yeah, and then I would just say, too, you and I have traded some emails. we got some ideas for some stuff that we can do here uh, on a startup show and some ways to um, get some guests and, uh, and get some uh, – we've looked at a couple different things that we can do to help uh, both promote startups and, and promote the communication and leadership of startups. And so yeah. I'm excited about some of the stuff that we have planned, and I know that that's uh, a little um, uh, obtuse, uh, so stick I, with um, us. I also I put Katie Mazuris on the spot because she's like, "Hey, I'm working for a startup," and I'm like, "Hey, you should come on Startup Security Weekly." <laughs> um, so hopefully we can we can work on Katie, and she's awesome. We did a, a healthcare segment on uh, Paul Security Weekly, which was very 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 exciting. I'm I'm, I'm super proud of that segment. Um, thanks to Josh Corman and, and Katie Mazuris. We've also got Michael. I can't remember his last name. Uh, who wants to come on the show as well? Who found that one of our segments really resonated with him? 
um, and he it was part of a security startup that is part of a, a pretty large company now. Um, and I'll, I'll save that as a surprise oh, yeah, for yeah. later as well. So there's, there's some more guests that we'll be bringing on the show, which we're very excited about. Oh, and I've got two rounds of listener feedback uh, where people have helped us better understand technical debt. And, uh, and we have permission to, to use his insights. And it, nice. it actually really helped me understand it better. And so it was just um, didn't get a chance for this week. And then uh, some other listener feedback and engagement on, on setting up uh, security-focused startup mastermind groups and ways for people to work mm. together. Nice. I want to go explore that because I think that's really cool. Excellent. Well, thanks to Doug, our very special guest, for this episode of Startup Security Weekly. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. <laughs>